doing it locally, man, I think is the belief that we have. And, you know, one of the terms that I've been using a little bit more is that, you know, one of the reasons why you would think about moving your family back is not just for, you know, a ripple effect. The ripple pieces are, are fine, but I, I truly believe that there's a tidal wave of impact that's coming, you know, to the greater Cleveland area and, and also what we're looking to do. Let's discover what people are building in the greater Cleveland community. We are telling the stories of Northeast Ohio's entrepreneurs, builders, and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast, where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio. I am your host, Jeffrey Stern, and today I had the real pleasure of sitting down both with Brendan Anderson and Donnie Bedney to discuss their work at Scaleco. Scaleco is a Cleveland-based entrepreneurship through acquisition organization, which has invested more than $165 million into over 20 regional companies. A longtime student of emerging businesses, Brendan Anderson began his entrepreneurial career in 1995 when he formed the Mass Group to provide management services across various industries. Later in 96, he formed the Heartland Companies to purchase a distressed industrial park, and in 98, purchased STAM, a manufacturing company which he led until 2005 as CFO, the VP of Sales, and Director. Transitioning from the operating world, in 2006, he founded Evolution Capital Partners to provide capital to growing companies where he invested over $100 million into 16 platform companies across three committed capital funds. Most relevant to our conversation today, in 2018, Brendan formed Scaleco to support the Evolution Capital portfolio companies. Now serving as chairman of Scaleco, Brendan is also an active member of the Entrepreneurs Organization of Cleveland and Entrepreneurs Across Borders, in addition to serving on the board of SOAR, an organization that helps young adults with ADD and ADHD. Joining Brendan to represent Scaleco, Donnie Bedney has spent his career across prestigious consulting and healthcare organizations, including Gallup and Press Ganey, as a workforce, human capital, and sales executive. Donnie joined Scaleco in 2020 as an operating partner, taking on business development responsibilities in Scaleco's investment thesis around the human capital management business. In 2021, Scaleco purchased PSP Metrics, a provider of employee assessment tools where Donnie was named president. In our conversation today, we explore what entrepreneurship through acquisition even is, the advantages of buying a business over starting one from scratch, Scaleco's unique approach to unlocking value in partner companies, and why Donnie and Brendan have doubled down in Scaleco's commitment to investing locally in the Northeast Ohio region. So please enjoy my conversation with Brendan Anderson and Donnie Bedney after a brief message from our sponsor. Lay of the Land is brought to you by Impact Architects and by 90. As we share the stories of entrepreneurs building incredible organizations in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio, Impact Architects has helped hundreds of those leaders, many of whom we have heard from as guests on this very podcast, realize their own visions and build these great organizations. I believe in Impact Architects and the people behind it so much that I have actually joined them personally in their mission to help leaders gain focus, align together, and thrive by doing what they love. If you two are trying to build great, Impact Architects is offering to sit down with you for a free consultation or provide a free trial through 90, the software platform that helps teams build great companies. If you're interested in learning more about partnering with Impact Architects or by leveraging 90 to power your own business, please go to ia.layoftheland.fm. The link will also be in our show notes. I've been uh, really excited about this conversation because I think one of the the perennial things I hear people opine on locally is that access to capital is of the biggest challenges that founders face. Um, but it's always with a little, you know, air quote asterisks that you know, we're quite formidable on the private equity side of the capital spectrum in, in the Northeast of Ohio. And I think Scaleco is one of these local institutions, uh, understanding that it's not traditional private equity, and we'll spend some time to understand the whole spectrum of capital and, and the nuance here. But that Scaleco is something people can point to of, of real capital being put to work in the region with, you know, over 165 million deployed in, in many companies 
And so all this to say, I'm very excited to have both of you on today to talk about the work you're doing at Skillco, because I, I think it'll be a, a really cool conversation. <laughs> We're excited too. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So to, to start, uh, I'd love if each of you can share, you know, respectively a little bit about who you are as people, how your, your past began to intertwine and, and your own pro- professional journeys. Brendan, I, I, we could start with you if, if you'd like, as a, a fellow student of emerging businesses, you know, I'd love to, you know, understand where that interest uh, for yourself came from, how, how it manifested over the arc of your career o- over time. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Again, thanks for uh, having us on the on the podcast and excited to have, you know, kind of tell the story and, you know, kind of how, you know, the, the you know, kind of the different phases that Donnie and I are in this, in this ETA world, you know, different, but the same. Yeah, you know, I uh, grew up in Alliance, Ohio, uh, a small community outside of Canton and um, was lucky enough to kind of get up my first job in banking in Chicago a uh, long time ago, right around 1988. I was, uh, you know, kind of learned a little bit about business, really liked being, you know, involved in the small company, you know, kind of involved with the small companies and was always a little bit jealous that um, I wasn't on the other side of the table. And I mentioned that to my boss a couple of times and he eventually said, well, go buy a business. And I didn't know that was possible. Again, this was probably in the early 90s, but they, he and a group of the bank customers helped me find and buy and finance a company. And I just assumed that's the way the world worked. Um, I just assumed that, you know, that if you worked hard and asked for things, people would do that. And I quickly, um, you know, kind of subsequently realized that's not how it works. Um, so we I kind of moved back to Cleveland, bought a company through an ad I put in the newspaper. Back then they had newspapers. Yes, Donnie, it was that long ago. There are these things that you would read. Uh, but that really kind of got me going on the entrepreneurial journey, kind of kept me, you know, kind of local here. And really, um, you know, the vision for the things that Donnie and I and the team here are doing are really kind of built off of that experience. Yeah, you know, um, relatively similar story. Although, you know, Brendan always jokes that uh, it was a few years after him. You know, in that way. But uh, born in California, raised in Michigan, uh, so so you know, a lot of uh, those Midwest values. Uh, the town I grew up in is a little bit smaller than Alliance. Two stoplights. When we got the second stoplight, that was a really big deal. When we got McDonald's, I think it was a bigger deal. But my mom's side of the family is actually from Cleveland, and so. Spent a little bit of time working at Shaker Heights Country Club, funny enough, growing up. That's how I paid to go to private school uh, for high school. And then uh, later on, you know, over the years, we've been trying to figure out dates. But I I read a book uh, called Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun, uh, which was an autobiography of this gentleman by the name of Reginald Lewis. Uh, That was the first intro I had to buying and selling companies. And, you know, from that day forward, I just kind of aspired to, you know, get into the space in some kind of way. You know, a lot of career progressions, but, you know, back in 2005 or so, you know, I actually reached out to Brendan. We connected through uh, a mutual uh, man that we both admire, happens to be my grandfather. And and uh, we connected at that point. Uh, he was one of the first people I met who actually invested, you know, in companies and, and was also an operator. And so, you know, we stayed in touch over the years as uh, my career was continuing to kind of, you know, grow I uh, had the opportunity to participate in a pretty large private equity transaction back in 2019. And then, you know, later on, literally about a year or so later, P and I decided that we'd get together and and uh, I'd kind of join the Scaleco family and the rest has been history. Now we're on uh, the Lay of the Land podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we are. And I, I'm very grateful to, to have both of you. Thank you for uh, the, the introductions. I think a great place to to begin our discussion here, Brendan, you had mentioned ETA, uh, an acronym. I think we should define as mm-hmm. a, I think it will set the the stage for. I think a lot a lot of what we'll, we'll end up talking about here today. Mm-hmm. If you want to just kind of outline what that is, yeah, it's you know I, I joke because when I was doing it, I don't think there was a, such a thing. But uh, ETA stands for Entrepreneurship Through Acquisition. I think it's a it's a mindset as much as it is as a you know a you know kind of. It, it, the, you know, the concept of the fact that you can buy a business, anybody can buy a business. And, uh, you know, what's really neat about a, you know, kind of a, an existing business is, um, you know, it has cash flow and it can pay you a salary and uh, it can, you can use that cash flow to grow. And so, you know, it really is, it's a, it's something that the coasts have been doing for a long time. I mean, you can get on the Stanford, uh, you know, there's a market study every other year where they talk about the returns and the impact that their ETA program does. And so it's, but it's, 
has really been void, in my opinion, in the Midwest, especially people that want to invest in this sort of thing. And so, uh, you know, that's my definition of, uh, of ETA, uh, entrepreneurship through acquisition. Donna, you have any more color on that one? Yeah. I mean, I think more color really around the opportunity, but, you know, Jeffrey, as you know, both from, you know, the, the East Coast aspect, but also moving back to the Midwest, I just think that, you know, the Midwest is truly kind of the heart of the country. And so when you think about, uh, there's been a lot of articles, you know, coming out recently just about baby boomers retiring, you know, et cetera. And, you know, coming out of this black swan event that we have all been uh, blessed to make it through, there are, you know, estimated you know, three and a half to four and a half million different businesses that need to switch hands just this decade alone. And, and a lot of these folks are, you know, moving on towards retirement. And so, you know, literally no other way of, you know, moving on, maintaining their legacy or any of the folks that they employ within the communities, uh, you know, that they've started in and kind of lasted for 20, 30, 40, 50 years outside of some sort of transaction. And I think one of the attractive things that, you know, Brendan candidly has been doing, you know, as our founder for, you know, decades now, but also something that was really attractive for me in joining as an operating partner and otherwise was the fact that, you know, I think we're an answer for a lot of those founders and also people who, you know, are really interested in entrepreneurship, but not necessarily bootstrapping, right? You know, can we build on the legacy and foundation, uh, you know, of an existing business, and then still provide, you know, innovation for it to kind of begin growing again and, you know, scaling uh, to a larger level. Yeah, I like the the framing of it as the the answer to the question, how do I deal with succession? Where, where you know, where is my business going to end up after I, I step away from it? I think it could be helpful also just as we're still setting the stage to, you know, understand what the other potential answers are to that question as we talked about, you know, traditional private equity and often, you know, here on the podcast, we're talking a lot about venture capital, but, but really, you know, from the perspective of someone building a company, how, how is it that someone exits a company? A lot of what we talk about here is, you know, how do you start a company? How do you, how do you build? How do you scale? It's rare that you get to think about, you know, what is the, what is the, what are the exit options that are even available to you? Yeah, and, and I, I love some of Donnie's input on this one too. But you know, I, I think there's so many people that build a wonderful business and they pay for you know their their family. It's a wonderful lifestyle business. They 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 really can make you know lots and lots of money, build lots of wealth, but get to the end of the road and it isn't worth that much to somebody else. They haven't built the infrastructure. They haven't built a deep management team. They haven't built the systems and processes that would convince a buyer that 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 that, that um, income, the profit will. Continue continue. You know, like most private equity, uh, they're, laced, you know, they're chasing companies, you know, uh, traditionally that are, that have, that have got those processes in place and they, you know, they really feel that the, that the foundation is there. And I think the opportunity for many ETA uh, or, you know, kind of local uh, entrepreneurs that want to enter this ETA space is that, that, that when they enter these businesses, a lot of them will not have that sales infrastructure and the processes. And, you know, they're really kind of, you know, off of the, uh, the, the backs and the talents of one or two people, but when they put those those processes and systems in, it does transform the value of the business, and so it takes it from something that few people want or you know can or it, to to buy or to own to something that a lot of people want to buy or own, and you know and obviously scale helps a lot. You know if you can get the get the earnings up above a five or ten million dollars in EBITDA, it sure helps a lot. So. Let, let's layer on scale code to the conversation at this point. You know, how, how do you describe yourself as an organization? You know, what, what were the, the motivations for, for getting it started? And, you know, we'll work our way through the, the evolution from there. Yeah, I mean, the motivation is, uh, you know, I, I, if I think back through, you know, my beginning of my career, uh, we'd, we would buy businesses and we'd run them and you know, eventually sell them or, you know, or kind of keep, you know, or keep growing them. We've owned businesses for 19, 20 years before. But my my real goal was building an infrastructure or in a company that you could build on that, bring in more people, uh, expose people like Donnie, who has the energy and the skill set and and the talents to, 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 to grow a business and get in there and put the, that infrastructure. But really, you know, kind of the platform for people like Donnie. And uh, that's what's driving us. 
is that. And we think that, you know, it's one of these wonderful things where when it works and, uh, you know, you, you build a, uh, you know, kind of a generational wealth for the people that are running the company and you still create top quartile returns for the investors. I mean, I look back the last 25 years and I, I think our investors are pretty darn thrilled with the returns. And, you know, our, our goals with Donnie and the, and the team here is to make sure we can, you know, repeat those things, uh, you know, for the, for the next 25 years it, with, with more scale. So what does the, the company look like today? You know, Jeffrey, it's, 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 uh, you know, I think we have, you know, if, if, if you don't wake up every six months and feel like you, uh, you know, that the things you were saying six, 12 months ago are, you know, we're naive, you know, you're not learning and striving and so <laughs> forth. And I think that, you know, Donnie and I may do that every three months now, but um, I, I think we had a, you know, kind of an aha moment. You know, we, we had our first close in, in this fund. We've got some wonderful long-term minded investors that, uh, you know, are willing to stay with deals longer, put more capital in as time comes on. And it was almost like a aha moment where we're saying, you know, instead of saying, you know, you have a fund that has 12, 13, 14 businesses, if you really created a, a you know, a, a, some verticals, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're staying very close to home for the platforms where, you know, we're, you know, how do you get, you know, Donnie Bedney to stay super excited about sticking around or moving to Cleveland? Remember, he's moving from the Boston area to here, we're moving his family, his wife and daughter. And, you know, it's, you know, just like you, Jeffrey, you know, it's like, you know Cleveland got a pickup when you move from New York City. We're picking up, a, you know, Donnie and his wife, who's a physician. Um, but how do you get them to do that? Well, it's got to be bigger. It's got to be, you know, we, we bought a, a relatively small company in Pittsburgh that Donnie took over. We just acquired, you know, partnered with a, um, a founder to, uh, you know, get a much, much more scale. But really kind of painting this picture of a much larger vertical uh, was almost, a, you know, kind of an aha moment in the last, uh, I don't know, you know, kind of couple years here. And, and I think that's what's, you know, it's exciting because, you know, Donnie, with this larger vertical and create a lot of opportunities for other people that want to be, own their own business, own piece, you know, own pieces, parts of our businesses. And uh, Donnie, I'm on a roll, so you have to jump in and stop me. But uh. No, I mean, that's, that's good. When you're rolling, I, I just like to let you go because uh, I, think, I think that's important. But, you know, playing off of, uh, of also what you said and, and considering Jeffrey's, you know, question, I think, you know, as you think about the team and, and, you know, and all that, you know, Brendan didn't necessarily mention this earlier, but, you know, part of his vision, you know, early on, and I think we're, we're beginning to live that is, is really creating this ecosystem, you know, ScaleCo uh, originally stood for scale community. And, you know, as you mentioned, kind of being non-traditional private equity, you know, we started getting some feedback early on, like, are you starting a nonprofit? And it's like, no, like, that's not, that's not what we're looking to do. But believing that, you know, there's a real opportunity to create an ecosystem and environment where, you know, we're pushing entrepreneurship and, and not necessarily in, once again, kind of that traditional either bootstrapping only or, you know, raising venture capital, but how can we provide uh, additional education and exposure to the fact that you can buy existing cash flowing businesses, that there can be services, you know, kind of within that, that there can be experts who have also built businesses within those similar industries that can serve as advisors or additional investors, you know, to what we're building, uh, that some of those companies can actually partner together and provide services that actually can, uh, you know, help those other platforms, you know, scale themselves, right? And so how can we build that? And I think that, you know, at this point, that's something that we're building. You know, Brendan has been phenomenal at kind of, uh, you know, attracting talent, you know, we like to refer to them as happy people, right? Humble, hungry, entrepreneurial spirit, people smart, you know, that's the happy kind of, you know, those are key values, you know, Jeffrey, to, to, I think what, what I have experienced, you know, living, you know, shout out to Andrew Newsom, who's, you know, a significant part of our team and, you know, connected us originally, right? I think he's really a microcosm of, you know, the type of talent that we've been able to attract and, you know, also another, you know, kind of transplant back to Cleveland. So, you know, we, we have that team. I think, you know, one other thing I'll say is that, you know, at least for me, you know, joining up and, and having the opportunity to you know, run our human capital vertical, you know, at this point, you know, has been exciting, but joining it with a partner and a team of folks who, you know, are practitioners who are willing to, you know, roll up their sleeves and, and uh, you know, dive in, you know, with us directly, you know, at companies in order to scale, especially, you know, near the beginning while we're continuing to build momentum and kind of working through, you know, the inevitable transitions, right? I think is one of the things that makes us just a really valuable partner in these transactions, but also makes us a really exciting community and ecosystem to join and become a part of. So I, I think it would be really cool to understand here, 
really from soup to nuts, the the life cycle of a company, you know, interacting with Scaleco as a way to understand more of you know your approach and and what actually transpires here, because we have everything from you know sourcing to vetting, and once you've onboarded a company, assuming you know they've met the baseline criteria, you vetted them as a as a prospect, you found their strong alignment. Then you know, in, in my mind, the real work is is ahead, and there's a lot of work that already went into it. So. Maybe just kind of take us through the the whole process of what it it feels and looks like for for a company working with Scaleco, and and if we start with with sourcing, I think there's a few interesting things that that we could talk about here. But you know, why focus on on companies with a, a regional proximity, right? I think maybe conventional wisdom would say you want to look across the country, expand your horizons, particularly as we think about you know talent recently and in, in the aftermath of of this remote world that. That we're in at the moment. So maybe if we just start with sourcing, and we'll we'll make our way through. You know what's interesting is is we didn't you know we a lot of the stuff was trial and error, and so if you uh, this is almost uh, the, the the regional nature is is a look back. I mean we've gone back and we've looked and said where where were the most successful companies? Where you know what's what's the probability of success if we stay closer to home as for a platform? And it's it's remarkable how much more successful we've been staying close to home. And we've done twenty three transactions, and there was a period of time where we we were we were doing deals around the country, and uh, those deals did didn't turn out quite as well. And I think it goes to what Donnie was saying earlier. You know, when you have a small company and you're building the community and you have additional resources and you can potentially move some of those resources around, it makes things much more efficient. So I wish I could have said we came up with this a long time ago. Actually, it's funny. I, <laughs> 10 years ago, I was having a cup, uh, one of my kind of, I just respect the, uh, the heck out of him, a guy named Jack Stack who wrote the book, The Great Game of Business, or actually Bill Burlingham did, but it was about Jack. And you know, he looked at me and goes, you know, Brendan, you guys are running around the country. He says, we've never really been successful with, I mean, you know, the probability of us being successful, the closer to home when we are, um, he goes, we're like, you know, 90% closer to home and making those numbers up and, and way less. And, you know, I don't know when I was traveling around, before, you know, pre-COVID, I'm like, what am I doing? And so that was the aha moment. But I think we will get, from a staying local perspective, we get a lot of looks at the companies that we want to look at. Remember, we're not chasing what the big private equity funds are chasing. You know, we're chasing other kind of search-minded kind of operators, other ETA-minded operators, people that are using, you know, kind of conventional financing. And what we're really blessed with is we have a thing called, it's a, it's a we call it our baking list, which is an entrepreneur, you know, or they know that, that has a company, maybe they don't fully recognize yet what, 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 it, what, what it's worth. You know, maybe, maybe we're wrong, but, you know, you Usually we find that they kind of have an inflated value of, of what the company's worth with what they've got put into it. And sometimes they work their ways out of it, work their way out of it. But we're very frequently able to, to work with or get to know an entrepreneur over years, you know, where we're, you know, we're open mindset, you know, kind of this is what we think it's worth. This is what we think you need to do improve, to improve it. And this is how we think we can add the value. And so, you know, so often, you know, you know, we'll, we'll close a deal where we've actually talked to the guy, talked to the owner for, for, for years. And so that's really where it starts. And because of that nature, we're able to really work with companies for, you know, kind of get involved uh, in the, you know, we, we use a process called EOS. Uh, we're very, you know, you mentioned Chris Snyder earlier. That's something he does. We've been using it for years, years, and we're very upfront about that. And we give them the book and we say, you want to read it. You want to talk to the other, the other local companies. And actually think about that. That's also a big benefit too, if all the companies are local, because you can go talk to the entrepreneurs, you can talk to people. And so, you know, we we're, I think we're very blessed with the fact that we, you know, because we're staying local, we, we can get that long view. And I, hopefully that makes them more comfortable. We can hit the ground running faster. And, you know, that's kind of the beginning of, of our process. And um, I think, you know, quite frankly, the, you know, when we made the decision to, you know, only do local deals, you know, two years ago or so, three years, two and a half years ago, I got to tell you, we have, you know, deal flow is not the problem. And it's funny because something Donnie, Donnie, what do you always say the, the problem, you know, if you want, if you want to buy a business, you want to jump on that one? Uh, you know, like <laughs> the, the, the problem, the problem, the problem is finding that one, right? Yeah. Teco. You know, Brendan, one of the things I say quite a bit, Jeffrey, is, you know, it, it, there's no shortage of capital. There's no shortage of opportunity. The biggest gap is people, right? And when you think about, you know, our philosophy, you know, especially of investing locally, as we're doing that, I think that, you know, we we continue to focus on the people aspect, right? So, you know, Brendan referenced, you know, our baking list, you know, it, we, we have a, a number of deals that we do get to 
you know, look at. And once again, I think that's one of the amazing things that, you know, your listeners and audience, which we're looking forward to interacting with more, you know, who are focused on the lay of the land, right? As we think about, you know, driving distance from Cleveland, I believe one of the stats that, uh, you know, um, one of one of our partners had, uh, you know, shared a couple months back was that, you know, it, just from a sheer population perspective, right, you know, within driving distance of six hours, and I want to say this might be from Columbus on, but it's literally one of the most densely populated from a from a people perspective areas in the entire country, right? So it, most people don't think about, you know, kind of Northeast Ohio as that kind of place, right? But, but as you think about all of the talent, you know, that we are within driving distance from, I think that the opportunity and, you know, at least for us and our belief is that, you know, as we continue to find, you know, more and more, you know, businesses that we believe, you know, can scale as they're following, you know, the entrepreneurial operating system, uh, but also as we're, you know, installing, uh, you know, some of the other methods that we now can accelerate, you know, some of these businesses and putting those processes in place. And once again, being, being willing to roll up our sleeves with those folks, it just makes sense to be able to, you know, wake up in the morning as, as, Brendan often references and, you know, get there before breakfast, right. And then be able to, you know, kind of drive back home, you know, by the end of the day. But we, we found that to be significantly more impactful. And I think we talked about this earlier, but, you know, it's the type of opportunity that literally my wife and I have decided is large enough, you know, as we're thinking about uh, continuing to grow our family and also a place to settle that it's a, it's an even larger opportunity than what we're seeing. Uh, and we've lived in the greater Boston area for, you know, eight years now. Right. And, and we're willing to relocate back to the Midwest to, to pursue this type of opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. One of the, uh, the other questions I, I have about sourcing, I think, I think touched on it a little bit tangentially here is from the, the founder's perspective, is it typically a matter of showing this as a potential path for them to to follow or are often they coming to you looking to mm. you know sell their company or exit in some capacity how much of you know the the push and pull is is typically the case from from an entrepreneur's perspective i, I would say almost always they're looking for some sort of liquidity and i would say almost always they're you know they're largely looking to uh, move on in some, you know, in, to some regard or some degree. Uh, you know, we 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 almost always require they own a you know a small piece of the of the future or you know or a large piece um, of the future. Uh, you know, we most we, we recently did a deal called the TPI efficiency six months ago or so, and that entrepreneur again, Roger Zona, is, you know, is a still you know younger guy in his mid forties, and he rolled a you know big piece, uh, and he, he was really after growth. But I would think that that's more of the exception uh, than you know you know. Most of ours are, you know, somebody's, you know, looking to take some chips off the table, will, you know, wanting to look at, you know, kind of work with somebody like Donnie or a member of his team and, you know, help them grow, um, help, you know, help the company grow. They, you know, they'll have a stake in the game also. But, you know, that's, that's probably 90% of the population of our, of our deals. And, and quite frankly, because of that, we're, you know, you know, if they haven't built out a lot of the infrastructure, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it does, you know, kind of, it's kind of our bailiwick and kind of our expertise. Thinking about that, Jeffrey, you know, I'd, I'd argue that, and well, it's really more of a discussion, but it's kind of, there's only one inevitable thing, like when you start a business, right? And, and you know this as an entrepreneur yourself, the only inevitable thing is that there's going to be a transaction, right? Whether it is you, you know, deciding to close your business, you know, or, or, or technically selling it, right? And, and I think one of the challenges, you know, for some entrepreneurs that we run into, you know, in, in the lower middle market where we've been investing is that, you know, a lot of them, you know, haven't necessarily been exposed to, you know, to the idea um, that they could sell their business. And so when they finally do come around to that, you know, at times they've been left at the altar before, or, you know, uh, whatever else, right? No matter how many uh, search funders there are, there literally are millions of, of these businesses, right? And so I think that, you know, once again, kind of a local focus in our area is people have just kind of known us over the you know, past few decades with the work that Brendan and team have done. Um, you know, the word's kind of out that you know, we, we are, this is an area that, you know, scale code may be an option. And I think that, you know, being, uh, 
following Patrick Lencioni uh, in his book, you know, Naked, we, we tend to be very candid and, and uh, you know, concise and also vulnerable in, in the way that we are willing to present to them kind of, you know, what their value could be or where we see their value. And once again, how they can make some improvements. And, you know, for those who listen, they, they kind of stay on that baking list, you know, moving forward. Thinking about the, the baking list, if deal flow isn't necessarily the problem, then it becomes a matter of intentional reduction and finding the right, you know, opportunities. And involved in that is, is some kind of vetting process. And so, you know, what what are those factors that you are looking for in prospective companies, the the traits of entrepreneurs? What what makes for the best, you know, scale co business? <laughs> but, well, so so number one, I'll start off with something that that uh, will, will sound like Brendan, but I promise this is Donnie. Um, you know, we we very often, you know, Jeffrey, what we are looking for is is we're looking, and this is part of our community, right? There there are businesses that we run across at times, and and we're looking for a Jeffrey who you know has the background and candidly the desire, and and we believe you know. You know, skill set, willingness, you know, and, and values to actually run and grow that business. And, and so for us, I think that a, a lot of times it really, it, you know, that's kind of one of the first bailiwicks, if you will, or, or toll gates that you have to pass through is who's going to actually run this business, right? Because all the processes and everything else that we have, even if we know it's, you know, two, two and a half million in free cash flow and, you know, could grow and is in, one of the industries that, you know, we really focus on, you know, a little bit more, you know, having that uh, entrepreneur who actually wants to run that business, I'd say is arguably the first toll gate for anything that we decide, because there are some really attractive businesses that we come across. But once again, you know, kind of starting with that people component, um, you know, I think is the first toll gate. And then I'll, I'll pass to Brendan for, you know, industry focus and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to people, and it comes down to some vision for growth. I mean, obviously, if you look at our portfolio, uh, we you know we love business services, we love training, we like you know kind of higher margin value added distribution. Why? Because you know, obviously, you can scale them, you can grow them faster. They're less capital intensive and things like that. You know, we also you know when when you get the right people, the the ways to add on to those businesses. Again, I kind of refer to the verticals. You know, we find that we can really add a lot of value by kind of stacking on into those into those companies and so you know in a weird way that's where we spend a lot of our time I also, you know, we're kind of blessed. One of the goals when we put this together a couple of years ago was uh, we had a really core group of long-term minded investors, people that would start off with a relatively small, you know, three, four, five, seven million dollar equity investment uh, and turn it into a much, much larger investment. And and so, you know, I, I've kind of did some self-reflecting when we decided to kind of rebrand under Scaleco. And uh, I, I just, I don't love selling. I mean, I love to, you know, if you get something that's growing and you got the right people on the team, you know, it's it's fun to hold on to them or at least fun to hold fun to hold on to pieces of them. And so, you know, we, we've owned a business for 19 years. We um, just uh, uh, put a you know, much larger amount of capital, uh, $40 million into a company that we've owned for uh, just over 10 years. And, uh, you know, it was one of these things where the investors loved it. We love the management team. We've had a really great ride. Uh, it's been, you know, kind of a very, very profitable business. And uh, we're like, why would, you know, why would we sell that business? And so, you know, that's also part of the pitch we're giving to people like Donnie and, you know, and, and the people, you know, kind of the people running these businesses is if they, if they really do execute the plan, there's, there, there's more capital there also. I'm not sure if that was the question you asked, but that's the answer I gave anyway. So that's uh, <laughs> No, I, I think it. I think it helps, you know, explain the the kinds of companies that that you're looking for. Perspective, you know, what what would make for a, a good scale co partner over the long term. I'll, I'll ask though a, a follow up to it. I know actually, in just kind of researching the the company, the scale co specifically, not not some of your your partner companies, but I think it applies to those as well. Is is your approach to diversity, both you know internally and and externally, and I'd, I'd love to understand the philosophy around that and how it plays into this, you know, the vetting of, of deal flow as well. It's something that's been very uh, intentional and deliberate and, you know, to put, it was one of these things where I reached, uh, we have a wonderful advisor named Vanetta Young out of Washington, DC. And like I said, I've known Donnie for a, for a, for you know, 15 years ish or 15, 17 years ish. And I think my eyes have been, 
you know, kind of opened and with the help of Donnie and Vanetta and some other people, it has, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as easy as I thought, you know, it wasn't as straightforward as I thought. And, uh, but what I can say is I think, you know, we've learned a, a lot. And I think I, I, all I can say is that it's, I think it's opened up, it's made our, our canvas so much bigger and in, in, uh, in, in the future so much, you know, kind of brighter and quite frankly, the network, I mean, you, you know, mentioned, uh, um, you know, the, the network that, that the other people can bring, not to mention just going younger too, but, uh, you know, younger and, and, you know, kind of spreading that. You know, Jeffrey, I think it's a great question. You know, when, when people have, you know, it, there's been a lot of initiatives, you know, around diversity, you know, I think that, you know, I'll take it a step further for what I believe we do. And I, I don't think it's just about diversity for us. I think it's about inclusion, right? And and we've been very, very intentional, which is one of the reasons we start with people. And when, when we talk about, you know, humble, hungry, people smart and entrepreneurial spirit, you could be all of those things, regardless of your background, what neighborhood you grew up in, you know, what your ancestors look like, or, you know, what, what uh, whether you come from, a, you know, a trust fund or, or not. Right. And so I think, you know, that really has given us really a, a broader view to just really look to attract our tribe, you know, at, at, as you could say. And uh, it just so turns out that I think our team, uh, as you look at our website and, you know, continue to look at, you know, additional, you know, team members and stuff that we've been intentional about adding to our platforms just tend to, you know, look a whole lot more like the world, you know, in that way. And so, you know, something I think it makes me proud to, you know, kind of be part of our organization today. And, and I think we're going to continue getting better at that. You know, as you think about, you know, the greater Cleveland area, I think that we're seeing a lot of, you know, similar moves, uh, both around, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, not only in healthcare, but, you know, other industries as well. And so I think that we are candidly, while a lot of people have not heard of us yet, they will. And I think, uh, you know, based on your research and otherwise, I think that we, you know, truly are kind of an anomaly in our space, you know, not just talking about it, but, you know, once again, being intentional and actually taking action. And that once again, when you see the talent that we have on our team, um, you can see that we live those values. Speaking of uh, anomaly in the space, I'll bring up the, I'll call it a fact that I, I will say that PE maybe doesn't have the best reputation for what happens to the company after the transaction. <laughs> so as we make our way through the life cycle here, we talked about sourcing, we've talked about vetting. When when you've decided there is a good match, take us through Skillco's approach to how that transition is handled. And Brendan, you had mentioned EOS. We can we can make our way to that as well. I love that it's been somewhat of a recurring theme throughout these conversations. It's just far more prevalent than I re- I realize this whole notion of a, a business operating system. But but what what does this look like in practice? I think you nailed it perfectly. I mean, we described the companies we look for earlier. They, you know, they tend to be you know kind of uh, built in the in the you know, kind of the image of one or two people. And so, for us to be successful, you know, by definition, we have to add people. Uh, we have to you know, look at our, almost all of our companies and they. You know, we, we intend to have them double or triple in size, depending upon, you know, kind of, you know, at least over some period of time. And so, you know, what's great about EOS is it either, you know, it, it's a great language, a great process, a great, uh, you know, great way to try to figure out who, you know, who wants to play by the, the values and vision that we create. And I think what's wonderful is, it, it, you know, it also, you know, usually when we when we do it correctly, the people that want to be on the bus step forward and they're, you know, they're, they feel thrilled and, you know, they're excited. They feel re, re, reinvigorated. And the people that don't want to be on this specific bus almost always come to us and say, hey, look, um, you know, I'm looking for a, you know, this probably isn't a match for me. And it gives us a chance to, you know, kind of, you know, in an outward mindset, find them a better, a better, a better place, you know, for them. And I think it's, it truly is a better place for them. But I can tell you that overall, um, you know, we're, we're looking to grow, we're looking to add people for our companies to be successful. They have to, they have to grow in, in people. You know, one of the uh, deals that we did way back in 2009, who's was based in independence is a company called the Accurate Group. And I think when we made the investment, they had zero uh, Ohio employees. Um, and the entrepreneur that, that runs that is just an unbelievable uh, manager. And, you know, th- now they, they have six, 700 employees and, you know, and, and hundreds of them in Ohio. And now that's been 09 to 23. So that's been a little bit of a run, but, you know, that's a, that's a heck of a growth. And so, you know, that, that's, you know, that's a little bit of the exception, but that's our goal. To, to continue to add people. 
you know, I think that, you know, because of the businesses that we're buying, you know, and kind of that, you know, people first thing, I think, we, you know, we, what we found in, in a lot of those platforms and, you know, Brendan can correct me if this is not true, because I don't, I don't know all of them prior to me joining the team. But, you know, for, for a lot of those, what you find is not only the person with the vision of, of how it's grown, but you know, also finding people within the, you know, within the existing business that we're able to provide additional opportunity for that, because of that culture change and, you know, it almost, it's almost a, a, an injection, right. You know, uh, an invigorating, you know, kind of piece to empower some of those people within companies as well to, you know, continue growing. Right. Cause you know, if you Google private equity, God forbid, you know, some of the horror stories, <laughs> right. Of cost cutting and, you know, everything else. And so, uh, it doesn't mean that we don't, you know, look to, you know, add some of those financial systems and stuff like that, especially when you think about, you know, the TAC method, uh, you know, and that's kind of that transformation portion where we're trying to bring transparency and, you know, dependable numbers and, you know, some of those financial systems, we just have a clear understanding of how we're, you know, growing, uh, you know, the business accordingly. But it's interesting to see, once again, kind of the opportunities that are created, you know, as we're coming in, because that's, really the goal like how quickly can we get to know the talent within the organization and then put some of those metrics in place so we can you know move towards accelerating what what is the the tac method yeah so you know we've talked a lot about uh you know eos and and you know which which i think is an unbelievable resource that that we use but you know our our own kind of you know proprietary if you will you know process is is tac which stands for transform accelerate and consolidate Right. And so if I kept it simple without going through kind of, you know, all the steps, you know, the, the transform aspect really has a lot to do with, you know, financials and, and giving the stability there, you know, in transparency around numbers. You know, as we get into accelerate, I think that a lot of that has to do with more of the, you know, not only I'll, I'll say organic revenue growth, you know, but, you know, continuing to uh, reinvest in the business from, you know, is there technology enablement that we can add, you know, which once again is going to continue to accelerate that process. And then the consolidate piece, Brendan hinted at earlier, right? You know, after we've kind of laid that foundation, you know, provided some ways to continue growing organically, you know, what are the potential add-ons and other things that we're able to add to continue once again to accelerate, get into new verticals, add additional talent, you know, services, et cetera. And so we, you know, these are all things that, you know, we found over the years that have really led to uh, higher value, you know, within, you know, within companies that we've owned. And so TAC is what we, you know, refer to it as, but, you know, it's literally, there's <laughs> so many steps kind of within it. And, you know, I'm trying to remember what version we're on now, but, you know, kind of similar to Apple, we continue to update, you know, as we find additional things to add into the TAC method. Jeffrey, I, I, I look at tech as you know, kind of relatively simple. You know, it's you know, really straightforward. If you can have if you can have killer numbers backwards and forwards, you know, you're looking back. You know, you really believe in the numbers and you have some good predictive metrics. You've added a lot of value. If you got the right people in the right seats, you know, kind of rowing the same direction. Let's call that EOS. You're adding some value. If you get the or, ordinary uh, the uh, organic sales growth going again, you've added value. If you have a technology enablement plan, you know, to, you know that basically kind of you know you know what is it that can make us more efficient, more effective. Um, um, you added more value. And lastly, if you've got you know kind of operational excellence, then you can do add-on acquisitions and you can do it. You've added a lot of value. And so those are things that Scaleco can do, you know, where a lot of the small companies really can't do those things. And that's really kind of, you know, and it's not as simple as I made it sound as done as we all know, <laughs> but that's what we try to do. Well, captured in those categories is the whole essence of running a business. Yeah. So I, I yeah. would not say it is simple. <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, but I am curious within within those, and I don't know if I'll be able to recite them back to you in that order, but is there low-hanging fruit that you're surprised to find that many businesses that you're onboarding and working with haven't you know, necessarily thought about or are working towards across you know financial reporting and accounting or organic revenue growth or technology platforms or corporate development? I would say the lowest hanging fruit is almost always, and Donnie mentioned it early, is that the, the you know, is the talent inside the organization that's untapped. I mean, it's al almost always you go in and you're like, oh my gosh, there's an absolute gem here. And uh, the, you know, the, the, prior owner was, you know, maybe a little more command and control, maybe, you know, kind of really focused on, you know, kind of 
you know, the, the business being a lifestyle business and you come in and you say something like, God, if, you know, if, if you had unlimited capital and unlimited time, nobody has those. But if you did, what would it turn into? And all of a sudden, you know, you're writing down all these crazy ideas. And I think that's where, you know, probably Donnie and I have them, you know, in, in, in our team have the most fun because you're unlo- unleashing these people that have just, you know, that, and, you know, you're like, oh God, how, how you know, where have you been? So, uh, Donnie, yeah. you, there's probably other low hanging fruit I'm missing, but that's the one that comes yeah, to mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think, but well said, you know, I think, Jeffrey, that w- the one thing I'll throw out there is is actually market share, right? And so, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of small companies, you know, similar to, and you, you kind of hinted at this earlier when we were talking about investment strategy, right? And so, you know, quote unquote, common knowledge or, you know, most people would say, oh, well, you know, are you across the entire United States of America, right? You know, and, and it's interesting how some of these companies, you know, it have really strong brands that they've been supporting for multiple decades, right? And, and a lot of times those tend to be regional, right? And so, you know, not only, you know, do you have those great brands, but can you provide, you know, additional services, you know, within those companies that you're already a part of, right? So kind of build out, but then also, can you have just a, a clearer understanding of kind of your current market share and then continue to grow that even regionally, right? You know, a lot of the industries that we we tend to, uh, you know, invest in, you know, happen to be relatively fragmented, right? And so there's some opportunities to just build some, you know, pretty incredible businesses just by focusing regionally, you know, and once again, kind of harnessing that talent with a, with a regional focus to expand as opposed to necessarily like dominate and take over the world, right? Which I think is slightly different than, you know, like a venture perspective where, you know, obviously your your total addressable market is going to be in the billions of dollars. If it wasn't, then like why would anybody invest in you? I think for us it is, you know, once again, we we want we want to and I think have seen significant growth within a lot of these organizations. But I think that, you know, once again, kind of continued focus and kind of that, um, you know, regional growth. It's not necessarily how do we capture all of the market as much as can we double, triple, quadruple our market or or share of market, you know, even from a regional perspective and believing that we can add significant value um, to those entities as a result. So you you have both mentioned a few companies that are are within the the Scaleco family. I'd love to just hear you know, about a, a few more, if you will, about, you know, some of the the examples or, or your favorites. I don't know if you can choose favorites, but just to, to paint a fuller picture of, of some of the organizations that, that you're working with and, you know, the the kind of outcomes that that you've been able to to realize with them. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, you know, <laughs> Donnie, maybe you start kind of with the with the, with the companies in, in your in your vertical and then we can maybe I'll, I'll kind of add a couple more. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that the, you know, the vision of some of the, some of the ones within, uh, you know, the human capital vertical now are, you know, obviously exciting and that's why we're, that's why we're in them. But, you know, uh, PSP Metrics, which is out of Pittsburgh, it's a talent assessment company. We like to say that we've been helping companies remain competitive, you know, by doing pre-hire uh, selection and, and that company has been around since 1946, right? So officially 77 years old and done a lot of work there. So we're, we're excited about that business. And then the one that we recently partnered with and why I'm moving to Cleveland, uh, Safety Controls Technology you know, phenomenal business. And, and we believe that, you know, kind of it's turned into this conglomerate, right, at this point where we have uh, multiple uh, leaders in our health services division, where we provide occupational health services, you know, to a number of companies, not only regionally, but also in the greater Chicago area and, and beyond. And then also we provide safety services, not only OSHA compliance type work, but we've developed a significant expertise in safety and what we'll refer to as kind of staff augmentation, uh, where we, we place uh, certified safety professionals in, uh, as you think about the glass industry, actually, uh, specifically within really, really dangerous environments, we are helping increase the quality of safety and decrease the amount of uh, you know safety events for our clients in some pretty remote areas. And so been really excited about continuing that work Another business that uh, we're a little over a couple of years into, 
actually a little less than a couple of years, two years this month, is a company called Inoplast. Uh, it was a business that, again, I'd mentioned had been on our baking list for a long time. Uh, uh, Craig and Lisa McConnell had been you know, with the founders of the business. And then uh, we had been introduced by common friends and we had been talking for a while. And uh, eventually, um, you know, he was faced with the uh, needed to kind of, he had three different facilities, needed to move to one. So we came up with a pretty good plan to kind of build a much larger distribution facility in Garfield Heights. Uh, we also, at the time, during that you know, kind of waiting period, we were able to kind of find a couple of the little tuck-ins. But, you know, that's a business that we were, you know, that through tuck-ins and uh, in, in marketing and, you know, the addition of a couple of other big customers has gone from, you know, $5 million, uh, when we made the five six million, we made the acquisition to $18.5 million in a, in, you know, a year and a half period of time. And, um, you know, actually, it's one of those also where it's it's a business where actually when you take your investors there, it actually looks like something because there's actually inventory and people and, you know, equipment and so forth. So, you know, that's kind of a, and it's in, it's in Garfield. You know, but that's a business that, um, you know, was almost kind of one of these, you know, Donnie, you know, kind of when you talk about this vertical, it was kind of an aha moment where we start finding all of these other little distributions distribution businesses that we probably wouldn't acquire or invest with, uh, you know, if it was just by itself. But now we've got this kind of this infrastructure where we can, ta- you know, kind of add in, you know, 10, you know, seven to $15 million product lines. And it's kind of opened up our, you know, kind of our, our vision of the, you know, kind of what the, what the company could become and what sorts of products we can distribute. And, um, you know, so that's one that's, uh, you know, uh, Gary Bowling is a, was a searcher or an ETA person, kind of spent nine months in our in our office, we knew we had, you know, kind of this baking list thing that we needed to couple it with some other things. And he really did all the hard work and uh, we were able to cobble it together. And it's, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. So, and then I'll, I'll give you one more just because I can't stop myself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, uh, 12, uh, end of 2012. So a little over 10 years ago, we invested in a, a company that was in, it's in Detroit. Uh, they would do payment processing for, uh, OEMs around typical warranties, uh, you know, document uh, monitoring or document processing, payment processing. And it was a business that, you know, always made pretty good money, but we really had trouble growing it for a long time. And we put a lot of infrastructure. We invested in the, you know, the technology, the effectively the API between the OEMs. And it, it didn't grow like we'd originally planned, but we really believed in the team. And so it was actually originally in, you know, an actual fund. And, you know, we kind of gave investors a chance to you know get out or or stay in um and then uh, once we had that you know kind of platform outside of the fund we put a lot more money into it we put a total of a of, of uh, about 15 million eventually into it and um it, you know finally we're able to add other oems other 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 you know other you know, kind of customers as well and you know it's one of these companies companies that has a lot of operating leverage you know you kind of fill in the top and a lot comes out the bottom and so one of my favorite things is to get to know the industry and hit some of the uh, events with the management team if if they want me there. And we got to know uh, the big industry, you know, kind of dominant company. It's, the company's called Paylink. It's owned by Fortress and Milestone. And we actually combined the companies last year in a situation where we, you know, we reinvested about $40 million. And it's been a lot of fun to, you know, kind of, you know, see our team get the opportunity to be, to be part of such a much bigger company. It's been a lot of fun for our investors to kind of get to know, you know, kind of a, they were, they were probably 10x our size. It was something that, you know, that, you know, we've kind of always dreamed about participating in. And again, our investors were kind of given the choice to stay or go and most of them stayed. So it was, a. but you know, those are the, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I hate selling stuff so that, you know, unless it's, uh, unless it's, uh, unless it's like dumb price, but uh, yeah, that's good. Awesome. Thank you for, for sharing those. I, I think it just helps paint uh, a picture of what this looks like in practice rather than at the abstract level of, of tech and, you know, these, these concepts we've been discussing. So I don't want to necessarily jump the gun on your new slogan, but I do love that it's around the spirit of investing local. And so maybe we can jump the gun a little bit. And I'll, I'll just ask, you know, what what is the the ultimate vision going forward? And what is the the impact that you're hoping to have through this local lens? We, the, the slogan is investing locally. And then if, you know, and if we want to say, you know, then that's, and then investing locally in people and companies. It was actually a, a, a company we're looking to sponsor. Uh, we haven't officially done it yet. They actually came up with it. And uh, we were like, wow, this is, this is a lot of fun. But really our, our goal, you know, Jeffrey, is to, is to be able to, pr- to prove that we can put a, we can raise a $250, 300000000 dollar fund, you know, put that money to work very drivable from here. You know, and again, I won't put it 
the thing on, you know, we, we currently tell people if we can get there for breakfast, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll invest in it. Um, but I think we can invest a lot tighter than that and, and also create super long-term opportunities for our investors and the managers. But the fund is set up to, um, you know, to actually give people an exit in a fair amount of time, but it's also set up to take advantage of 1202, uh, which is, you know, kind of a wonderful tax stuff. And it's also set up so that, it, you know, if, in, you know, select uh, circumstances, people want to stay for much longer, they can uh, do that. And so, you know, I think we can prove that we can put a lot of money to work drivable from here. And then you know, that's kind of where we're focused. And then, uh, you know, if uh, people like uh, Donnie or Andrew or, you know, some of the other talented people in our organization want to, you know, kind of, you know, geographically spread to Columbus and Cincinnati or even farther, you know, that's when I think things can really take off. But for right now, we're focused drivable from here. Yes. You know, just doing it locally, man, I think is the belief that we have. And, you know, one of the terms that I've been using a little bit more is that, you know, one of the reasons why you would think about moving your family back is not just for, you know, a ripple effect. The ripple pieces are are fine, but I, I truly believe that there's a tidal wave of impact that's coming you know, to the greater Cleveland area and, and also what we're looking to do. And so, you know, for anybody that that resonates with as they're listening to us today, you know, come and check us out, right? You know, meet us at the office. Let's, you know, find ways to work together, you know, kind of in that. I just believe that that, that there is a, an incredible time now. You've been, you know, in the lay of the land has been, I think, an amazing conduit for, you know, some of those people who are doing uh, amazing things in the region. You know, we've had the, the opportunity to meet with some of those folks even recently, because uh, Brendan will, will tell you, I think, you know, our biggest challenge, you know, he's he's been, you know, working kind of in silence, right? And one of the hurdles that I think we're addressing now is just getting uh, the word out that we are here, you know, because one of the challenges is that most people haven't really known who we are, but we've been doing phenomenal work for this time. And so I appreciate you for Know, allowing lay of the land to be a conduit to get the word out and you know just really excited about bringing this level you know tsunami tidal wave of impact uh you know back uh to the midwest we'll give you one other thing that's yet to come out but it's going to be this week this week or next week um we one of the reasons i think i mentioned to you before we got on the recording that we're we are kind of currently sharing space with uh, jumpstart and uh, ray leach was i've been talking to him about the scale community for a long time and you know having a, a, a physical location for other searchers and eta people to come you know and kind of use some of our resources use some of our databases use uh, you know use whatever and um, it was really in that kind of conversation that we're going to build out a you know a scale community space for eta and search it's a, you know, it's going to be on the other side of the, you know, kind of the building that jump starts in, uh, in Cleveland Heart Labs, but uh, that should be done this uh, fall or, or, you know, kind of early winter. Uh, Fred Geis and Jim Doyle are building it out for us, and we're really excited about it. We're really excited to have a physical location where, where we can kind of uh, get together with the Cleveland uh, community, you know, and find some more of these businesses, whether whether we're involved or not. Hmm. No, that that is very exciting, and I'll I'll uh, reiterate that I am very glad to have you guys on. I don't know, the, the trite aphorism I always come back to is that the map isn't the territory. And I feel the it's kind of the whole impetus for the podcast is to like make the map more robust of, you know, who's actually here. And so I'm happy to to help, you know, spread the word about, you know, the work that you're you're doing at, at Scaleco. I think it's uh is it's important. I do want to leave just a, a little green space question for any reflections, learnings you know, things that you think are important that we haven't talked about as you reflect on, on your journey so far. Um, I think both of you have really, really interesting perspective, getting to see all sides of the coin here from the entrepreneurship and, and, and founders perspective, actually going in and operating on the capital side, on leadership, on management, on Cleveland. You guys can just, just riff for a sec if, (laughs) if you want. As Brendan mentioned, once he gets rolling, he might not he might not stop. So <laughs> I'll uh, I'll hop in for a second. But we are we are kindred spirits like that. You know, one of the one of the things that you know Brendan has heard me say, and you know, once again, just as as this is getting out to your listeners and folks are sharing, you know, I'll encourage this. You know, a lot of us were raised, you know, believing that you know if you get good grades, like in high school, and you know, you can get into a great school, uh, you know, college. And, and, you know, if you coming out of college because of good grades, you get a great job and, you know, make six figures, you know, you kind of made it right. And for those of us who've been blessed to kind of climb that corporate ladder and make it to the top, 
the crazy thing is a lot of us have gotten to the top only to realize that that ladder was up against the wrong wall the whole time. And taking that leap to entrepreneurship always feels you know, really scary because once again, most people aren't exposed to the fact that you can buy an existing cash flowing business. But, but I'm here to say that you know, entrepreneurship through acquisition uh, is a way to literally take that ladder and put it up against the right wall, which is entrepreneurship, you know, and be able to do that once again with existing cash flow. I say that you know, th- those existing businesses need the same amount of innovation as starting something brand new. You could find it, you know, within an industry that you already have some expertise in, or even just an industry that you have a desire to learn more about. And as I've said to a lot of people, I think that there's this big difference between access, which, you know, a lot of people talk about the term access and exposure, right? If I never read uh, that book about Reginald Lewis and, and knew that, you know, McCall Pattern Company and the Beatrice Food, like that you could buy an existing business, if I wasn't exposed to that idea, and then you know, fast forward to you know, 2005 when when uh, I first reached out to Brendan, and you know, it started meeting more people who were actually doing it. You know, I, I just wouldn't have been exposed to the fact that it's existed, and the and the amount of people even working within existing corporations now, who literally this will be a mind blown emoji episode for them to just realize that you could, there are existing businesses that you can acquire and there are ways to do it. There is no shortage of capital. There are no shortage of opportunities. The biggest gap is, is people. And, and that's the environment and ecosystem that we're creating. And I think if, if that has been an aha moment for me, you know, quite some time and as much as I can kind of evangelize that, you know, that's one of, that's one of the biggest things that gets me up in the morning for what we're building. My story is very similar. You know, I, I, you've heard this before. I was, uh, and I keep refer, you know, talking about being a banker in Chicago, and I would, you know, kind of complain about being a banker. Not suggested for most people, but it worked for me. I had a very entrepreneurial boss, and, and he just and he said, "Brennan, go do something." He goes, "You know, you, you, you know, you, you have to get in the game." He said, "You know, even you know." And then he kind of said, "Even God can't steer a parked car." And I was kind of like, "Oh, okay." And and so you know, then I kind of went back thought about it and then i still had no idea what he was talking about so i went and said hey help me get in the game I, and kind of like donnie did like you know i think when he called he goes hey, Brennan, he goes i really want to do this but i think i'll have deal flow problems and i think that's what you know that's exactly what i said to my boss I, you know i don't even know you know i don't even know how to get in the game and i think there are people like donnie and i and lots of other people in cleveland uh, that, that want to help people get in the game and that's uh, you know you know they got to be happy people humble humble hungry people smart with a passion for entrepreneurship I'm going to lead with my hidden gem because I'm because, uh, you know, and what I would say is that the entrepreneurial community may be hard to find in Cleveland, harder to find than in other places, but it's here. And I would say that generally the people, if you reach out to them, are going to be pretty receptive. Um, you, you know, um, a couple of times in the past, uh, you have uh, you know, talked to uh, you know, there's about the entrepreneurs organization. It's something that I joined and I didn't really buy off on until you know I kind of saw that a lot of people that were embracing what they were doing were successful. And so what I would say is that the hidden gem is that there are entrepreneurs. And if you're willing to reach out, I would be stunned if people weren't willing to uh, reply and, 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 and you know, kind of help you get in the game. That resonates a lot. I think this, the whole reason the, sh- the show exists is because people were gracious enough when I reached out originally to, to offer their time and experience and be willing to, to share. So I don't, uh, I don't officially live in Cleveland yet. So hidden gym is a little bit more difficult for me, but <laughs> it's I, a tough, it's a, this is the hardest question. Man, it's, it is. <laughs> this is the real stumper, man. But one, one of the things that I will reflect on, which, which the wife and I have talked about quite a bit and, and, you know, for any, any folks who, you know, like us or living in the Northeast or even on the West coast or uh, Atlanta or any of those other places that I've lived, uh, my wife said it best. She said, where is the traffic? And <laughs> I said, babe, there's, I don't, I don't think there's any, right? 20 to 25 minutes to get just about anywhere you want to go. <laughs> I knew that, where you're going, but I just figured that out. Is, That's good. That I love is, it. That is <laughs> I love freaking, it. that is a hidden gem, man, for the greater Cleveland area. Like no traffic. That's a real is, one. That's uh, one is unbelievable, tell man. Tell other people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we can't have too many people moving. That might change. But for now, that is, that is unbelievable. And I think it's the affordability. And again, when you say that, Donnie, it's like the affordability. I mean, you know, look at the house you can buy in Shaker versus the one you're leaving. You know, the 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 cost or value of those things when you're leaving in the Boston area and all of those things. I 
piling on here because that's my specialty. You know, I, I, you know, part of the reason when I was living in Chicago is I didn't know where I was going to move. If you knew, you know, I didn't want to move north, couldn't afford it. You know, didn't know anybody moved west, and you, know, you come to Cleveland and you can kind of, you, you know, you don't have to necessarily live that entrepreneur's, you know, that startup entrepreneur's life because you know you can afford to do a lot of things, and that's uh, yeah. that's a benefit, especially in today's age, day and age. Yeah, so. absolutely. And we we love all of Cleveland, but you know, if you want to swing over to the east side. Then you know, <laughs> might love you a little more. Uh, I'm learning. I'm learning that one too. But what uh, one other thing is we're piling on. Uh, I I would also say that you know the food scene in Cleveland has been so much better than we ever were anticipating. And once again, you know we're we're moving from Boston, so I can't say that about seafood yet. But um, you know I'm I'm a little biased from from living up here. But outside of that, I mean, food has been. Just unbelievable. Even if it's just swinging over to the Van Aken district or anything like that, I'm not going to mention you know the super fancy spots like a marble room or you know any of those kind of places. But just it, it's amazing the hidden gems from a, a food perspective. Amazing. Well, Donnie, Brendan, I, I really appreciate both of you coming on today and and uh, and sharing your stories. I think it, again, it's it's really incredible work that that you guys are doing. And uh, excited. You know, it sounds like perhaps Scaleco will be more public in in its endeavors going forward. And so I'm excited to follow along as well. We're excited to have you come visit the new facility soon. And we're excited to meet, you know, meet many, many of your listeners. So thanks for having us. Fantastic. Well, if, if any of them would like to, to follow up in, in any way, what would be the, the best way for them to do so? Brendan at scaleco.com is the email. Be the best. Yeah, you can follow, you know, find us on uh, LinkedIn as well. Definitely on there. You know, my email is uh, dbedney at scaleco.com. So that's D as in dog, B as in bedney, E as an elephant, D as in dog, and as in Nancy, E as an elephant, Y at scaleco.com. Well, thank, thank you both again. This was great. Thank you, Jeremy. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So if you have any feedback, please send over an email to jeffrey at layoftheland.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland or at sternhefe, J-E-F-E. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please reach out as well and let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. Your support goes a long way to help us spread the word and continue to bring the Cleveland founders and builders we love having on the show. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. The Lay of the Land podcast was developed in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, unless otherwise indicated, we do not own equity or other financial interests in the company which appear on the show. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.